may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, this is going to be uh, our lesson in chapter 4 of uh, 1 Thessalonians. And, um, and uh, so tonight is kind of a, you know, the first part of this is a delicate, pretty delicate topic he had to deal with them on. And uh, from that, though, he transitioned uh, about verse 13 and started talking about some things that looked like was troubling them. So he, he began by talking to the church and trying to get them to see how important it is for them to live in a certain way. And he was exhorting them to try to live a life of uh, moral uh, purity and, uh, and a life that would be pleasing to God. And so obviously during this thing of purity, you know, uh, he hit this subject about their sexual sin. And uh, they kind of talked about those things a little bit, and we'll kind of see how we got there. But what you have to understand is that uh, during this time, uh, the Roman Empire, uh, as in many societies today, you know, had a very low standard when it comes to sexual sin. And, and so because of that, you have to keep in mind that when these folk got saved, they were coming out of a situation that was very ungodly. And it's no different than us. When we get saved, most of us, when it comes to this area, in the area of, of temptation and things of that nature, when it comes to what God has to say about this subject of sex, most of us, if we were real, probably I would say, and I've shared this with the men, about 90% of the people that get saved, by the time they get saved, they've already experienced sex. Y'all ain't got to say amen right there. I just, I just said 90%. 90% have already experienced it. So the flesh has already been introduced to something that it likes. Y'all ain't got to say amen right there. This is Bible study. So now you take that mindset, and now you walk in the church with that mindset. And one sermon ain't going to change that mindset. And so he had to tell them, hey, guys, you got to work through this thing because if not, that same mindset that you came to the church with, you'll display that same mindset in the. Because back during that time, it was not uncommon to have sex acts as a part of worship when they were coming out of heathenism. They had temple prostitutes. So these people coming out of this where they didn't frown on sex and look at sex like God did. And had it set up for a particular purpose or ordained it for a particular reason. So therefore, when they come in with this mindset, Paul said, look, I understand that. So I need to try to make sure, even though you're living right, I want to make sure that you're trying to live even better. Because if you don't try to live better, oh, you'll show up. And, and a lot of times, I think we put our heads in the sand and don't want to believe that OU is real. Amen? <laughs> and so, one sermon, even being baptized in the church on the first Sunday of the month, ain't going to totally kill your flesh. So, if you don't teach folk that they got to crucify flesh, then those tendencies, those propensities or proclivities as they call them in a nice way will show up. They'll show up. And they'll show up even in the church. 
So what he was trying to do is say, you know, we got to be mindful of this because God expects us to live a certain way and his standard is a lot higher. You know, as I was doing my little research on how we talk and classify sexuality today, you know, I ran across a word, major, that just shocked me. I know what poly means, but then I never know they had put poly in front of sexuality. So now, you know, there are people who are coming in from the world to the church who have been exposed to polysexuality, which means that they don't have a problem with being <laughs> attracted to many people. That's all poly means, many. And so therefore, when you come into the church with that mindset, you've been exposed to it, then someone got to tell you, hey, God never intended for it to work like that. And so when we don't address that, then people will continue to say, it is okay. God don't have a problem with it. And Major, if you would, uh, let me see if I got it. Go to Romans 12 and 1 real quick, 12, 1 and 2. Because Romans 12, 1 and 2, when I take just read it. Because, again, the Roman Empire was ruling the world at that time. And all you got to do is go back and look at Greek and Roman art. And you can see where their mind was on a lot of things. Based upon the artwork that came out of the culture. And so as a result of that, when these folks get saved and they come into this environment, and we're living in this environment today, we got to be able to deal with people who get saved and don't see sex like God sees it. They got to be taught. Amen. Because now people tell them, hey, man, you do you. You, you know, they don't know that their body no longer belongs to them. Somebody got to tell them that. And if don't nobody tell them that, they'll figure like, hey, what I do when I leave the church ain't got nothing to do with God. But what they need to be taught is that, hey, what you do when you leave the church is probably the most important part of your, important part of your relationship with God. Because the things that he is concerned about when it comes to us, we normally ain't going to do that in church. We ain't going to come in here and have no sexual order. Because they did that in those days. I mean, you know. We ain't, we ain't, we ain't, we ain't come to church and do that like that. I mean, we just ain't that crazy. But then there would be people who would come to church on Sunday and still go and get in an adulterous relationship. And fornicate, knowing they ain't married. Be because the bar from the world standard, has been lower. And now the world is saying, hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. You got to satisfy you. That's those proclivities that you got before you got saved. And those things don't die. And if you don't have someone to teach you this, then guess what? They'll show up. Because everybody that come to church is not at the same place in their spiritual relationship with Jesus. And so we make a mistake by thinking that just because we show up on Sunday that all of us are the same level of spirituality and therefore we're all walking the same way. We're not walking in lockstep. It would be nice if we were, but we're not. And the thing that separates us from others is that how do we walk after we get the word? It ain't about getting the word. You can go to pretty much any church on Sunday and if they open up in the name of Jesus, if they got any semblance of Jesus, you're going to get some word. But the thing is, Major, 
is there going to be any application of what we've been taught? And so he was trying to get these guys to see, hey, look here, you know, you got to make sure that you try to live like God wants you to live. So if somebody got Romans 12, 1 and 2, go ahead and read that, Major. I think this is very familiar. Y'all know this. Romans 12 and 1 and 2. Again, 12, 1 and 2, right into the Romans, that empire that was running the world. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Stop right there. Do what? bodies. I plead. I got to beg y'all. Jesse, please give your body to God. Because if you don't give your body to God, somebody else going to have your... So Paul said, I got to plead with y'all. Because this, this area of life has always been a problem for man. All throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, Normally, it was sexual sin that got a lot of things kicked off when it comes to God. If Abraham had had his flesh in check, there wouldn't have been no Ishmael. If, if Jacob had had his flesh in check, it wouldn't be no 12 sons with four different women. So this area has always been a problem for not just the world, but for God's folk. So he wasn't going to take no chances, Major, and say, well, maybe they're going to just get this by osmosis. No. I'm going to tell them and teach them. Go ahead and finish reading. I, I got ahead of myself. Go ahead. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Now, let them be a living and what's that next word? Holy. Holy. See, coming out of the world, you ain't got no idea what holy is. You just heard, you just know, it, it's something they say, but you ain't got no idea what, what, what level that standard of holy sits at. And so therefore, once you come out of the world, he's saying, now look, you got to try to live a holy life. And a holy life means a life that's sanctified and set apart for God. So that what you do will be pleasing. Uh, I know it's going to be rough sledding, sledding, getting through this. I know it. But that's okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Because cause it's important. If it made the Bible, it got to be taught. He could have skipped this. He had to go there with him like that. But he knew their own nature. And those of you who don't acknowledge your own nature still in you, you're deceiving yourself. And so, go ahead and finish reading. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Okay, that's good right there. Don't copy, because you come in to the kingdom a copycat. You don't copy what the world do, when it comes to sex. Not 90%, not 100%. There, there may be some, can I say this real nicely? There may be some virgins that made it in. Probably 10%. But it's a good possibility. 90%. That day in that forest has already sailed. Gone, ship gone. 
before Jesus even get a chance. But Pastor, it's what you said in the beginning. Uh, so for, for, for men, you learn about sex before you learn about being holy to God. You know, you were, as, as, a, as a young boy growing up, your uncles and maybe your dad was concerned about, hey, do you have a girlfriend? Do, do hey, you're a boy. You should have a girlfriend. You should like, so you learned that before you, so you, you as a young man, that's your thought process. Long because before, long before you hear about being holy. Unless your dad had made been holy, yeah, if he had already been holy, you might have got a little bit of that. You're right, but that's, that's my story. I mean, when I'm coming up, nobody ever told me to refrain from, you know, when you got about 14, people ask you, have you? When are you going to? And what you waiting on? That's right. That, that was the conversation. Right. I want to know, hey, time for you to have a girlfriend. Okay. So you go looking for a girlfriend because aunt and them said they know what they're talking about. So you go and do that, but they, don't, they ain't telling you what Jesus said do once you get the girlfriend. They just telling you you need to get a girlfriend. But it's, it's, it's long late. You, you said 90%. So it was, it was 90% of us late. Late. <laughs> Done. Late. You messed up already. You late. <laughs> we got it, Major. We, 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 90% was late. So, so now what we got to do is try to, for those of you who got sons that age young still, you got to try to tell them, hey, that ain't what God wants you to do. You got to at least put that message before them, whether they live it or not. They shouldn't be learning this by surprise or by some, from somebody else. And so, if therefore, if we don't teach the young people and teach our children, the world going to teach them. And I guarantee you, they ain't going to skip this lesson to them. They ain't going to say, okay, let's skip the sex lesson because we don't want to teach it. No, they're going to try to try to teach them that early. And so, what I'm trying to say is that the, he realized. Did somebody else had a hand up before I was going to read on? He realized, Brother Herb, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just picking it back on what uh, Majors just identified, and you also mentioned um, about um, how we get this information late. We did not have it. I did not have it. And there was a question. Uh, for me, I was doing some study with some other brothers, and then one of the questions said, what, what poor image was given to you that affect you? And so I had to go back into my manhood, my, my, my father. Because when my father, the image that my father gave me did not match up. And to the point where he was a poor image as for, as a father, as, uh, as a man to give me the information that I needed by, by, by the information, what I know about what God intended for me to have. And that was the early stage in my life. So I had to say, it was my father. And I'm, I'm just saying to a point where like Major was saying, and I think I gave my testimony to, to my brothers, is like when I, was, when I hit 21, my father took me to a strip club and told me, Welcome to manhood. Amen. Do you hear me? 
I hope you hear you. <laughs> and not only that is that my culture that uh, I grew up, I was segregated, living in Hickory, North Carolina, and then also the images that, that the cultures that showed me did not fit either. Once again, sexuality was prominent <laughs> in my culture, if you say, and Amen. the world looked like. So Amen. what did I get my information from and what we dealing with sex, it was not given unto me in my early stage. And I, and, I, and I suffer in a sense of, in reality, what it caused when I didn't get it right. Now you say, what you're saying right now, Pastor, is this. We need to give it to our children early. Early. What is early? You know that, what I'm that's saying? That's a parent's decision. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I agree with early. I mean, yeah. Well, I, I say that my, my point is, is that for us, in a sense, is that uh, I say us. I say men. I'm just, I'm just saying to a point where uh, when we when we talk to our high school high school uh, men, we, we usually call them youth. When we go to people find the age of say in in college, we call them young adult. We never call them man. Where do you teach them at the beginning of being a man, and what image they will see? And that's the point of where we get the information this and where you're getting this is in the word. Amen. That's all. Amen. Amen. And a good point, Herman. You mentioned something like, you know, back in your day and my day, uh, the times have changed. You mentioned the term your dad took you to a strip club. Back in that day, that was out, you know, like underground. I mean, you didn't want nobody to even see you coming in and out of the place. Now kids are wake, working their way through college. In strip club. Somebody had a hand? Oh, Fred, go ahead. Get a mic. We want to close by. You know, even though we had, most of us had poor examples, we knew it was wrong. That's why we hid when we did it. <laughs> so it was, it was something about it that we knew was wrong that we shouldn't have been doing. Because we hid when we did it. We didn't want nobody else to know about it. So, so, so you know, so we didn't have the, the right mo role models most of us did. But we knew it was the wrong thing to do. But we did it because our flesh was weak and we wanted to do it. Okay, good point. Good point, Fred. Good point. And, and, and so the point I'm trying to make and what I think we want to get out of this first part is that, you know, this church being a prized possession of Paul, and he was concerned about their spiritual growth, he knew that these would be the type of challenges they were going to have to deal with. Even though they were already saved, even though they were trying to live for the Lord, he knew that when it comes to flesh, flesh does not play fair. So look at this. He says, finally, in verse 1, he says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to live, somebody say live, live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you. So to be taught to live right and to live right is two different things. See, taught means I got the knowledge, but then now going back to what Brother Herb made you saying, is there going to be proper application of the knowledge? There are going to be some people that listen to me online right now that's, you know, already fornicated. But I'm going to tell them that, hey, that ain't God's best for you. 
Not if you say you're a child of God and you won't live in a way to please him. So from this day forth, you need to make a covenant. I'm cutting him off. Cutting him off. Because I know better. I'm just saying, Major. I'm just teaching. I, 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 okay. Yes, sir. You are. And, and you're online, and then it's some young guy that's saying, man, as soon as pastor, my flesh is saying, I'm about to call my girlfriend. How, how, do, how, do, you, how do you fight against that? I mean, I know, yeah, it's a, it's a process, but after they get through listening to you online, they still going to make that call. Someone because will. Because it's, it's, it's exactly what you said. We were taught something that felt good to us, something that we liked. And to Fred's point, we weren't really hiding it. We just we had to do it. We couldn't do it out in the open. I mean. But maybe let's look at the glass maybe half full. Half full. Instead of half empty. <laughs> Let, let's believe that there may be two people out there that say, yeah, I, you know, the spirit been dealing with me on this. The pastor talking about the night, man, this is my sign that I need to, I need to stop right now. I need to try to go cold turkey on this thing. You know, whatever I got to do, I need to make a vow to God. I need to make a commitment because I want my body to be considered as belonging to him. I want to be holy and acceptable unto him. Now, this is the one, of the, like I say, this is one of the toughest battles that you got to win because all throughout the Bible, people lost this battle. I mean, David, the apple of God's eye, lost the battle. So, we got to believe that we know now and can learn from their mistake. But it's not going to be an easy win. I mean, if this was an easy win, man, you, you, look, you can just pick up any religious magazine or whatever, and you're going to find a scandal in there. Just go to Google. Google know everything. Google religious scandal. And just see who will start popping up. And I guarantee you, they're going to be centered around two things, women and money, if they're men. Women and money. Maybe some other little things. They may be abusive to folks like that, say something. But for the most part, when you see a preacher say, I, I need to take a leave of absence from the pulpit, you need to stole something, they don't sit down for drinking. I mean, they, some of them know they're know they drinking when they hired them. So they sit sitting down for that. I mean, but I'm just telling you. And so I'm trying to make this light so this could be easy to understand and swallow. Because I'm trying to help that person online, man, just let them know that, hey, God still expects that, and he don't want us to lower the bar. Even though we realize that that bar is high and it's going to be hard for a lot of people to hit it, you still got to shoot at it. And, and then at some point in time, we may grow to the point that, hey, look, now I know what God is expecting of me, and I'm going to do my best to try to live. So one of the things I got to do if I'm going to be transformed and changed, sometimes you got to change the company that you keep. You know, bad company will corrupt good behavior. I mean, you can't come to church on Sunday and then hang out with, you know, dogs with fleas on Monday through Friday. You're going to get fleas. And so look, yeah, I, I got to keep laughing because y'all get serious on that. Online, y'all, please bear with me. I, 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 I want to dodge this lesson, but I wasn't going to dodge it. That's why I just called it what it is, sex in the church. Since he was talking to the church, might well talk about it. Amen? He said, now, you got to do things that please God. If you were 
taught. You live this way already. Now, he was saying, y'all already doing okay, and we encourage you to do so even more. So when you get to that level of trying to live like God wants you to live, you don't plateau. You keep trying to go up and up and up. You keep striving for that higher call, that, that mark that is higher. Because if you don't, then you'll hit a point and plateau, and you'll start going backwards. And that's why it is so easy. That's why the Bible talks about Christians or people who back slide. They just go back to something they were familiar with. Because they stopped trying to grow. They stopped trying to be what God has called them. They stopped trying to live in a way that pleased God. And so, hey, it's easier to live to please our flesh and call it a day. But when you hear you got to live for God, you just let that psychology of, oh, God, don't tell me, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And you focus on all the don'ts, but you still do them. He said, don't. Well, maybe the reverse psychology by him telling us don't, that makes us want to do them. I think that's the devil lying to you. God ain't telling you not to do it because he want to tempt you to do it. So he said, now look, you got to do this even more, Major, because you never stop growing. You don't want to see yourself get to a point in your walk with the Lord where you think you have arrived. Because when you get to that point to think you've arrived, you're setting yourself up for a fall. Now look at this. He says, for you remember, verse 2, what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. So we didn't teach you in our own mindset. We taught based upon the authority that we have been given. And so therefore we believe that the things that we taught you came from God. Now look at this. Verse 3. How you obey God. God's will, I must say God's will, is for you to be holy. That's God's will, Major. Her, that's God's will. God's will is for you to be holy. That's his will, Major. But the thing is, God made a mistake, Major. He allowed us to exercise free will. If I had been God knowing what I know now, I would say, look here, when I create Major, Major, I'm going to say, it's my will if you not do this, then I'm going to keep you from doing it. I ain't going to give you no choice. But God, because he's God, he still gave us free will. Adam knew his will, but still, still him and Eve went out and did what they wanted to do after they was influenced. So we can know what God's will is for our life, but it don't necessarily mean that we're going to obey his will. It is God's will that everybody should be saved. But we know that everybody that you present this gospel to is not going to accept it. But that don't stop you from presenting it. So because we know that everybody ain't going to live holy, that don't stop us from trying to teach what the Bible says when it comes to this aspect of our lives. So he says, God's will for you to be holy, so stay away from all, somebody say all, sexual sin. Now, the Greek word there, some of y'all Bible say sexual immorality, is the word pornonia. And that word pornonia, well, we get the word pornography from, but that word is broader than just looking at naked pictures. I mean, it's any illicit sex outside of the confines of marriage. So right now, you know, if you got friends with benefits, that ain't God's plan. 
But I, but I want this insurance plan. <laughs> by me, she helped pay the house note. He sent it to you. Made for you, but he didn't tell you to marry. He just sent it to you. Say, hey, man, hey, hey, you know, Major, the cost you living in, you, the cost you living in now, you know, marriage ain't no big deal no more. Right. So, therefore, you know, you're living in the culture now, even in the military, where people just, you know, go through the motion for the, for the you know, for the BAQ and the BAS. They want the more money, but they ain't. Yeah, yeah. And so, therefore, if the church, I say all the time, it's a microcosm of the world. Whatever is in the world, a little bit of it is in the. So he says now, stay away from all. Somebody say all. And, and, this, and I ain't got time to get that deep in. I wasn't going to go that tonight. I, I, I said I'm going to stay. At least this was going to be just R-rated. Amen. I, I wasn't going to go too deep right there. Because y'all need to go do your own research on all sexual immorality. Okay? Fred, go ahead. You know, I, I think we, 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 we dress things up too much. Instead of calling it sin, sin, a living in sin, we call it friends with benefits. So that's, that's an easy fall there. You say, hey, look, you're living in sin. Ain't no friends with benefits. You're getting benefits, but you're living in sin. And that's what they used to call it. But now they make things seem softer by saying, friends with benefits. So you don't see them as bad. Or you don't think about it as being bad when you hear friends with benefits as you do when they say, hey, you're living in sin. Amen. Amen. And, and what happens is, is that when subtle changes come into the church, you know, the devil is subtle. He ain't going to hit you in the head and just like that. He's going to dress it up. That's, how, that's what enticing and allurement is all about. It's designed to make you think that something you're getting is good for you. No different when the Bible knows what it's talking about. When it say, you know, that it used, when it talks about the devil luring us into something. Well, anybody who fish knows what a lure is. And a, a lure is to make that bass think that what he's going to hit is so pretty, so fine. You just got to have it. And he's so blinded by the prettiness of it, he don't see that big old hook. And he's going to end up in the skillet. And that's what sin does. It can look so good. There's so many benefits. Make you feel so good. And you don't realize that every time you go there, you're taking on a little bit of that person's spirit with you. Man, some people got so many spirits. <laughs> they don't even know who they are. Oh, Lord, don't let me go there. Don't, don't even know who they are, man. <laughs> Let me read on. Let me go ahead and read on. I said, I'm going to be all right tonight. So he said, stay away from all. Somebody say all again. He said, now, then each one of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions like the pagans, the people that don't know God, which we were before we met Jesus, 
who do not know God and his ways. So now we're here tonight learning more about God and learning more about his ways because he just told us he wants us to be holy. That's his way. That's his will. He's telling us that. But now just because he's telling us that and we learned it, then now the question is, we got to apply this. And so because if not, then it's just knowledge that's going in and coming out the other ear. And so this is a hard sell today, Major, for the younger generation. Because, man, I, when I started looking at this, my head started swimming when I just fed polysexual in the Google and, and asked Siri to help me with it. Man, all kinds of stuff started coming up. Oh, my God. Our kids got to deal with all of this and go to school at the same time? And then they got to look at, you know, Netflix and see she got to have it. So we got an uphill battle in this area, not in striving. We're a good church. We got we ain't good in striving. Just, this is for the other churches out there. This is, this is just knowledge for us here. Striving. This ain't no issue with striving, folks. This is for everybody else's churches, okay? <laughs> Major, when you say don't deceive yourself, huh, Pastor? <laughs> don't, 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 don't do, okay. But anyway, so, but he was letting them know you guys came out of paganism. We came out of the world. And when we came out of the world, we didn't know it, but we was bringing a little bit of the world into the church. And then if we got in the church and saw some of the same worldly characteristics, we thought we were right at, man, I didn't know these guys rode just like we rode. They don't have no standards. And so therefore now, when that happens, the church now loses it's glory. It no longer have the effect because now the world can say, hey, your friends can say, hey, what do I need to go to church for? It has not changed nothing in your life. So it's our change, that transformation that takes place in us that let people know that the things that we're learning is real to us. And if there's no transformed life, then we're all the same. And so that's the, that's the challenge today because nobody really want to believe God want us to change. Man, if he didn't want us to change, he could have just left us like we were. He could have left this out of the Bible. Paul could have skipped this. He said, but no, you got to deal with this. He says, then each one will control his own body and live in holiness. Somebody say holiness and honor. Now, in, when I was coming up, Major, I'm going to be real with you. I hated that word. Holiness. I, I can handle honor. But when people come talk to me about holiness, I had the wrong image. Because the church I went to, I thought holiness was a dress. I thought it was how you dressed and how you did certain things on Sunday because when I thought we was holy because the ladies wore long dresses, sleeves down here. We had the tambourine working for us, jumping and shouting on Sunday. And we say, man, we done had a holy good time. So I equate holiness to how we jump around, how we worship, how we praise in church, not to how we live after church. Because some of those same dresses and those same suits cut the food when they got through with the tambourine. I don't know what happened right here. 
So you got to know how to control your life and live in holiness and honor and not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God. Now look at this. He said, look, never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this manner by violating his wife. Now you would think you shouldn't even have to put that in the Bible, Major. Some heathens don't even do that. But man, the Holy Spirit had nothing to put that in the Bible. Say, never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this manner by violating his wife. Deacon so-and-so messing with deacon so-and-so wife. In the to say it right here now. I believe in the Bible, the, the Lord let them write stuff in the Bible for our learning. For the Lord avenges all such sins. In other words, man, when you do that, man, you mess with another brother's wife or husband, I guess because today, maybe back then, it was just the men that was the aggressors. Now they got some sisters that come at you. Come at you. Don't care. If you got a big old ring on your finger. <laughs> and Major said, You got the shadow where you done took it off. <laughs> so he said that when it comes to this thing called marriage, man, when we start violating marriages, he said, Man, God will avenge such things. I mean, he take that personal because he ordained that. He ordained marriage. So he know how marriage is supposed to function. And so therefore, when we go against what has been ordained by the one who originated it, then we're going against his divine will. Because the originator of something has the right to determine how it's going to be functioning, how it's going to be used. Pastor, then, okay, so if, if Coach says, okay, you can walk out of your marriage with $300 and you, you're done, and that's a law. Wait, you can say the coach say you can do what now? So, so it's, it's, it's the law. You can't be divorced. Oh, so, okay, got gotcha. you. So, so is divorce not legal? It is. Or yeah. it the states, def, you know, define how divorces go about because divorce is, uh, marriage is, is both a religious and a civil function. And because it's both, really in some countries, the church don't even have to be involved. Even in America, don't have to be involved. We have made that a religious ceremony because of what we believe the Bible says. But in some countries, that's why you can go to, uh, even here, you can go to just to the peace or go to the courthouse. You don't need Pastor Bowden to marry you. You can go down there, you know. Some pilots on a plane can marry folks. They can do that. And so what happens is when we live in a culture where it's so easy to, for people to get married without any, you know, training or any teaching about how they should live as husband and wife and all of that, then now what culture have done is they made it easier to get out of marriage. In the old days, it wasn't this easy. That's why a lot of people who was cutting the food in marriages never got divorced because you couldn't just walk down to the courthouse and normally give $400 and in a month's time, y'all was done. Nowadays, you can go down to the courthouse and get the package. 
And if you and your wife got sense enough to know how to fill it out without killing each other, you can even cut the law out. Amen. Just go back and say, we done already agreed. He's going to keep the house. I'm going to get the dogs and all this and everything. And this is what we want to do and how we're going to divide our estate up. Okay. Like you say, give me $400, 30 days, y'all. Y'all good to go. So when you, so when you say your, your vows, part of your vows or some of your vows is like what God put together, let no man asunder. So the onus is on you to stay married. That's right. That's right. We take vows, and vows are supposed to be commitment we, because that's a, the religious part, a part of the ceremony. Commitment to God, to God, and to each other. And so, therefore, as a result of doing that, then God is expecting that thing to be a one-time affair. That's why Jesus' teaching was so tough in, in Matthew when he said, hey, man, you know, you divorce your wife without a cause, and God said, are you still married? Because he never intended for a divorce to be so easy to come about because he expected marriage to last forever. But now we have to deal with that because we live in a culture where people, some people just get divorced. I mean, when you see people on television, celebrities, you know, every two or three years they got a new wife. Then, then when people look up to those folks, they say, okay, it's okay. So guess what? Now, instead of, major, instead of getting married to go through all that headache and hassle and have to go through divorce, and look, it'd be just easy just live together. So when you get mad and want to go back to your mom or your dad or wherever you want to go, all you got to do is just get your stuff and leave. We ain't got to go to court. We ain't got to do nothing. And some young person here that said, yeah, that makes sense. Why do I need all this legal tying together that don't make, because they're getting in marriage not expecting to be in there forever. And I know when you're rich, you get prenups and all that, I understand, because you ain't planning on staying and you, you know you might not stay, and you just don't want her to get everything you got. I remember GIs went crazy when the government changed and said, you've been married seven years, she get half of your retirement. You got, what? I said, man, the woman got four kids by you. I mean, come on, man. And all of a sudden now, you don't want her to get none of your retirement. They had to put that in the law. Amen. Because when I first came in, that wasn't on the books. But by the time I retired, it was. And I thank God for it because then now, women weren't just left with all the babies and no support. Man, I, Latham, you first saw it, I'm pretty sure you don't hit dudes in their pocket for big money. They, they coming home, they ain't got nothing but eating money. Because they, they don't come out, hey, you're going to pay $500 for each one of them kids. Brother Harry? Get, get a mic real quick. And I think this will become, uh, as you're studying this, um, this passage, a book about when Paul's talking to uh, Thessalonian, and he had given and had taught them. And also, um, I believe when Paul was teaching them, he's teaching them in a sense where the words will give you all the answer how to be a kingdom child. What it looks like biblically uh, in the word. And the only way you're going to be able to get that, the information is studied, is by the word. And, and, and it goes by 
your statement of faith that you tell us each and every uh, every Sunday. We said that this is this is my Bible, and it says this is the word of truth. Then it says I am what it says I am. So once you find the information in the word, and if you want to look like use that word of the truth that said holy, then what holy looks like? Do I word that word? Do I strive to be that word? And it all says to what Paul is trying to establish with uh, Thessalonians. These things that I taught you, these things that God will guide you and lead you how to be the, the child of God that God is calling you. Don't let these other things in the world that you came from go back in, in your old ways like you mentioned to you. And so how to, you know, when you say making a choice in the sense of what I can do things wrong, in the sense is I have to be convicted of the things that uh, uh, if I know that it was wrong, but I didn't have nothing to judge against that. And that's what Paul said, hey, the things that I was doing all right, I wasn't convicted until I what? Until I, until I read the word, what sin looks like. And when sin, what sin looks like, then I'm convicted. But other than that, I'm not convicted. I can do, continue to do the things that please me because I'm not convicted. But once you being signed to the word of God of sin, it show you that you want to be holy, that you can strive to be that. Amen. That's now, the emphasis. That's what I'm saying. And some of the convicting power come with the spirit because that's his job. But the thing is, we can suppress the spirit of God that's in us and, 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 and allow to the point that when we suppress him so long, we grieve him. Because he said, Major, I've been trying to get through to you, man. I've been telling you this wrong. I've been telling you. you just ain't listening. And so, you know, some say that, hey, after you do that for so long, God may just say, hey, man, look here. I'm going to take my spirit away from you. I'm going to turn them over to their own way of thinking. Let them do whatever they want to do. Since, they, since they, the spirit trying to get them to see it, they're being taught the word at church, they're reading the Bible themselves, but they're still going to do just what they want to do. And people got to get to the point where they want change to take place in their life. And they got to believe that it's possible. And once they start believing it's possible, they got to put things around them that's going to help bring that change about. I mean, you, you know, you got to make some changes. That, I mean, just simple as that. And, and like Brother Herbert, what does it look like? Well, it looked like he just told you that, hey, one thing, you ain't got no business looking at your brother's wife. Start right there. You come to church, you keep your eyes straight ahead. Don't be looking at nobody else's wife. What's hard about that? Pastor. Pastor. Nobody else's husband. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need no PhD to understand that. I guarantee you, he's going to read that and understand that. We understood that when we weren't even in the church. Because we didn't want nobody looking at our girlfriend. got someone that's saying um, they want to be holy. They want to live holy. They want to do what this this word is saying. They want to do what y'all are saying. He's saying how when your flesh is saying go get it. But your mind is telling, you know, you trying to, you want to do right. 
they want to know the hows. How do I keep from going in the way that I know is wrong? I want to do right. And it sounds like to me that, that verse where it say, you know, I want to do right. You know, evil is always present. Yeah. That evil. war between flesh and spirit. But how? Some people are asking, how? Oh. How do I live this word? How? One, sometimes you know you. Don't be, be truthful to yourself. You know your weaknesses. And then put other people around you to help you. I mean, you, you, and then the other, you kind of got to change the environment, too. If you know you done gave your life to the Lord and all your buddies, all six of y'all used to run the streets like crazy, and you still go and run with them, you don't want to know how. <laughs> you, you don't want to know how. Be because now you're saying, man, I can't afford. You don't trust God that he can get you some more friends. And so, therefore, it's hard to walk away from people that you have been in the trenches with when God is telling you, hey, you need to separate yourself from some people. Don't be unequally. That means don't be tied up with somebody that no longer act like you and think like you do now. But you're going to want to know how, and then you don't cut the yoke. And you're carrying that weight around with you everywhere you go, and you're trying to get to church. They're trying to pull you back out all night. Pastor. I thought another hand. Yeah, go ahead. Nah, I was uh, thinking to myself, it's like, it's pretty close to home with me at least. I know some stuff I had to put into place because I had a uh, trouble with uh, pornography myself. So, like, I don't know. You said, like, how I would say, like, maybe you delete the app if you get to that point or you put, they have apps you can get, like, covenant eyes and stuff like that to try to help or just having, like, an accountability partner as well, too, to kind of help. But you, I think it's it's a two-way street. Half of it is um, you yourself have to wanna Im want to and believe that you can break free from it. And then the other half is uh, just, uh, what's it called? God working in you and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a work. I mean, that's why Paul's talking about crucifying you every day. So some of us need to write some stuff on our mirrors. You write your success story on your mirror. They take the, 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 the guru that tell you how to be successful, say, Put it on your mirror so that when you wake up every morning, you'll read it. Put it on the mirror. I ain't fornicating today. <laughs> read that every morning while you're brushing teeth, reading that. Getting it in your spirit. So faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you got to write some stuff down and, and put it before you because in the Old Testament, they had to wear these things around their head and in their arms. To tell them, they look at it and say, oh, I can't do that. Okay, this is a reminder. And that's what a, a, a wedding band ought to be. A reminder. Oh, he said I'm cute, but I'm married. <laughs> reminder. So I can't accept that compliment like that if it's going to cause me to get away from my vows. And so when she disrespects your ring, she's disrespecting your wife. And your God, too. Yeah, whatever. Glory, okay, I'm sorry. Glory, glory, you don't move up to the front. Glory, you move it up. You, you must got something you want to say. <laughs> go, go ahead, friend. Let go. Uh, for me, myself, I had to transition my mind. And I got to, I had to constantly stay in the word. And just in physically exercising, you just keeping myself busy and not doing the things I used to do. Amen. Brother Fred, do you have something? Yeah, I think if we practice more of what the Bible says, 
about casting down thoughts or bringing all those thoughts into, into captivity that exalt itself against the word of God, I think it will become easier to resist. But a lot of thoughts, we, we, you know, a lot of thoughts we like to have. And, and we dwell on those thoughts, you know, especially when you go back and you remember, you know, some of the things you used to do. You know, instead of casting it down, I think sometimes we just, you know, meditate in, in, on it. Yeah, entertain it, meditate on it. And, and you know, there's some people that believe you will become a product of your thoughts. If you think something long enough, your flesh will figure out how to carry out what you're thinking. And so that's why the Bible always encourages us, meditate on certain things. God said, meditate on my word day and night. And if you do this, you will have good success. And that means in more than just money, that means you can have good success in time to kick some habits. But you got to keep that word before you, and you can't run away from it. And then you got to do your best to start applying the word. So let me read on. Look at this. He says now. I have one more question. Okay, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. It's not a question. So I know a situation where a person stayed in an abusive relationship because they were so strong about their spiritual beliefs that they said, no, I'm not going to leave. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to leave. I'm just going to keep praying for the person to change. Is that advisable? Well, that, now, that's a tough one, Major. I, I, I can only give you my opinion. It depends on what you define, how you define abusive now. But now, in the old days, when I used to hear the term abusive relationship and things like that, I thought it was always physical. But now people are being told, hey, you can be mentally abused and psychologically abused and all this. It ain't got to be physical. So now folks said, hey, look, if you're in a toxic relationship, you know, some people are telling, hey, you know, life is too short. You know, you need to jump ship. Now, this is what I, I got girls. And I tell my daughter, time, hey, look, you know, you know, say it, I do. I hope it's to death do you part. But you ain't married nobody to make you they punching bag. So when dudes are hitting on you, you need to jet. Because if he hit you once, he hit you again. Now, some people in the old days, girl, just say that. Keep praying. Well, I'm going to keep praying, but I ain't going to be in arm distance. See, I see some manifested change in him. I mean, but there's different schools of thought to this. So some people do get that type of counseling. But I would not give that counseling to my daughter. I was brought up in that generation where we hit women. I saw my daddy hit my mama like that. And early on in high school, when Jeanette made me mad, Lady Jeanette made me mad, you know, we get into it. But the thing that saved her was that, hey, she had about seven brothers, and she, and she wasn't scared to fight back. And she knew that if I won, one of them going to get to me. And they made it known. And so therefore, I had some buffers to, to put some restraints on me. See what I'm saying? But a lot of women don't have that when they married to a nut. You got a mic? Get your mic. Okay, okay. <laughs> let me let me uh -oh. let me let me let me let me reframe that. I'm only speaking of about the instance that I know about that were brought to my attention. I'm not I'm not speaking for all women by any means. By any means. I'm just what was told what was told to me and asked 
what could I do? And I was like, I, I, I can say because her convictions are so strong about doing the right thing, so she thought. And, and, and for some people, it works out okay for them, and they can do that. In, in the old days, in our culture, that's why people in the old days did not get divorced that often. But they should have. Because by not getting divorced, daddy got three sets of kids out there. When they should have just went on, cut the ties, and now you've been waiting on pause, and he running the street, and now you mad, your children mad, when they find out they got some half-brothers and sisters out there. And then when daddy die, it's all hell at the funeral. Because everybody show up. When you could have just cut them ties, got that behind you, if that rascal going to run the street like that, but again, in that day, people didn't, didn't get married and then plan on getting divorced. They, they, they toughed it out. So that's the individual's personal choice, man. Let me read on to this, because this is a good discussion. And, and, and there's some young people out there now that may be in situations like that, trying to make that decision. What am I going to do? That's why you got to get counseling. You got to pray. You got to ask the Lord to lead you and guide you. And that's why you need to be in tune with your spirit. Man, so that when the spirit speaks to you and tell you and reveal certain things to you, don't blow it off. Now look at this. He says, verse 7. I'm going to go back to that right quick today. Verse 7 says, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure ones. That's a call on our lives. Therefore, anyone who refused to live by these rules, people don't like that in the church today. These rules. These rules. The Bible is a rule book. Amen. Every sport got a rule book. And if you don't play by the rules, you get penalized. The Bible is a rule book. I don't know why we come to church and think it ain't no rules. I don't go to church. I got too many rules. Well, these rules. He didn't say a rule. He said, y'all got real quiet right there. <laughs> These rule is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So when we don't follow the rule, you ain't, you ain't rejecting Pastor Bowman. You ain't got to thumb your nose up at me. I'm just reading what the word say. So when you argue about that, you arguing with Pastor Bowen just too strict over there. No. He said these rules. And he expects us to try to live holy. That's his rule. That ain't my rule. Like, like a lot of y'all, I wish it wasn't in the Bible too. Because I fought it a long time. Then that word holy, like I said, scared me. Sanctified and holy, you tie both of those two together? Man, I used to get all kinds of chills coming over me. Because I didn't understand. I was ignorant. And so because I was ignorant, I didn't think that God was serious about these rules. And then if I'm running with people who got one foot in the church and one foot out the church, they don't care about the rules. What are the rules for? To be broken. Not God's rules. They for to live by. For to live by. Can I get an amen right there? At least let me know the in-house crowd that y'all agree with what I'm reading there. I can't hear it. Shout for the folks online. But don't, y'all don't need to be fighting this. Don't let that spirit of come over you. Amen. 
let me read on. Let me, we ain't got but a couple more verses because it gets, you get going a whole different direction in verse 13. He says, but we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other because look, that they, they, they may have gotten that pretty good. They understood a little bit how to treat each other, maybe. But God himself has taught you to love one another. He said, now look, this thing called love, man, it is so connected to God that everybody understands this concept. Even heathens that don't even go to church understand love. I don't need to teach you that. When you was in the world, you knew how to love folk before you came to Jesus. I just need to teach you how to do it the way he wants you to do it, but you already got it in you. The ability to love people is already in you because God is love. And so that's his highest attribute, his highest command. So that's why he's saying, look, man, this is, this is number one on God's list up here. And so he said, now, we don't need to teach you all that over again because you seem to have that under control. He says, indeed, you already show love for all the believers throughout Macedonia, not just in your city, but throughout the whole region. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even. So he's saying, you can't overlove somebody when it comes to God. And especially when it comes to what we consider from godly love, being able to love people in spite of. So he's saying, look, you got to do that even more. And if, if we could really get that down, that's one that we talk about, but it's hard to see that played out like God wanted to play out. So he said, look, you, we urge you to love even more. Now look this, make it your goal. Now he kind of transitioned, get away from the love and the sex and all that and start talking about how we get in other folks' stuff. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. You shouldn't go to church and be raised in sin. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Minding your own. Most of the time when stuff happens in the church, it's because everybody's in other folk business. Minding your own business. Not prying into, it's different when someone invites you into their business. But when you pry into other folk business, you cross the line. Are they fishing for information on folk? But now, let me be real. Some of y'all put too much of you on Facebook and out down the websites and everywhere, on the, in the internet. You ain't got to be changing pictures every week. <laughs> Let one picture get, get fat. I mean, some of them shots out there. I mean, they go through all this trouble just to take a picture to put out there. Who they trying to get? Man, some of these people I see out there married. And I'm saying, who are they trying to impress looking like that on the web? Everybody look at them. They got a husband and all the seat number that, but they, you ain't got a pride in some folks being, just go to their site. And guess what? Because all that fooling go around, the church or either Christian organizations are adopting the same thing that the world ChristianMingle.com. Somebody gonna say that? the Holy Spirit just dropped that. <laughs> the Holy Spirit just dropped that in our spirit. We need to start this website. And I guarantee them guys may be heathens. 
but they know that there's an audience out there that go to church and really don't want everybody to know what they're doing. They just want to put a profile out there and find a nut. Now, every now and then you may find a nice guy. Don't get me wrong. You may. But most of the time, oh, Lord, teacher finna hit me now. I, I, know, I, knew, I knew I couldn't make it the whole, the whole lesson. But <laughs> I'm not saying. I, I just got one question. Okay, ask one question. We all, is it, it about one of these rules? It, it's about what you just said. Okay. You know, it has to be progression in everything that we do, right? So if you are a single person and you're a Christian, right, I have friends who've done just that and end up marrying or getting married to that person because in their mind, now I'm not saying that other people don't, you know, filter in because yeah, yeah. they come into church like that too now because we didn't have some around here. So it's like when you think about it, it's like we have to be careful when we look at how life is progressing because I think I get a little aggravated when I feel like the first thing is, you like the world, you like the world, you like the world. But you still have to progress. It's like are you still writing letters to everybody or using your email, right? That don't make you of the world because you adjust into it. So I think people who do the Christian mingle situation – may go with that same intent because they come to church and they look around, there's nobody. They're not going to the club. They're not doing other stuff. And there are other people who think the same way. But they have a discerning spirit that if this fool get on sending me pics, I ain't going to say the other word, and all this other stuff that they be doing, you can, you can figure that out pretty quickly. But I've had some friends who've had some really good success with that. Amen. And, 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 and I will rephrase and say this. I say this all the time. In God we trust, and everybody else you check out thoroughly. So look here. Hey, you done met him online? Give me enough information about you that I can go do a background check on you. But at least you got him thinking now. Got him thinking. So now if they don't want to give up that, and they want to be your soulmate, and he won't let you just run a check on him, now you ought to know what you've been there. Me, because everybody on there don't, play by the rules. Just because they say Christian, some Christian naive, ain't number Christian fishing on this site. They lying to themselves. <laughs> the world fishing on them site. Everybody fishing on that site. But Keisha, I understand what you're saying. We, we got to understand that that has worked for some people. You know, and, and I, I'm agreeing now because the younger generation don't go out and, and find husband and wife like we do by hanging out in the club somewhere and then meeting them. You know, because now they rather sit at home on their computer and say, let me just find one this way. I ain't got to go nowhere. I ain't got to get dressed. I can be sitting here looking like anything I want and put my best profile up there. And you, and you sitting there looking like a, a whatever, but you got your best face out there. And they think that's what they got coming to them. But I'm just exaggerating that. But, but I'm assuming people do lie. Oh, Lord, on... on, on they're going to they gonna get on me tonight. They, made, they even clicked us off. They ain't even watching online no more. That pastor just done went pastor. too far. Go ahead, and sister. then you got to make sure that that person is really them. The picture, now, what is it called, Cat, catfish? The picture, it could be a picture of somebody else they found. And so you having a good conversation with somebody who is not yeah, you know, even the picture. I've been watching them CSI shows now. Yeah. And people make themselves look like somebody else. And you think you're talking to that person. 
Yeah. So, man, if you ain't got no discerning spirit and know how to ask certain things to follow up on, then guess what? You could find yourself, like you say, fooled by somebody that looked the part. Yeah. Brother Herb. Yeah. I was saying one of the things that uh, um, what fell on me to help me to understand is um, especially about, about love. And where it goes to a point where I have to study the information about this person. I have to get the information as much as I can about this individual. Not only that I have to get the information about this individual, it also helps me to understand. I'm just applying principle um, to help me to understand this person. And once I do understand and got all the information I need to know, then I know how to apply love to this individual. And just like you said, if you don't get, you know, if you don't do no homework, you will get this flash thing and you operate and when they said, I saw him first love, it doesn't happen that way. It, it, it just don't happen that way. Oh yeah, they got shows that they're not love at first sight. That, that doesn't happen. And not our church number one to two. Love at first sight. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that right? Isn't that a show that's called love at first sight? Oh, marriage at first sight? Oh my God. <laughs> but, but that's all where you will get yourself into is not true love. Amen. And, and, and it goes to a point where it says when, when God said love me with all your heart and all your soul all your mind and all your strength. Did I do that to you? Do I love you with all my heart? Would I love you with all my soul with all my mind? And all my, all my strength that I think about you, just like God wants us to do that. And I'm saying to a point where you have to do your homework to be able to do that. Amen. Amen. Sister Vernon, real quick, what you got? Well, what I'm trying to say right now is like the world that we're living in is so much going on. So when you go online and you can't see this person, you, you're talking to this person, then you can actually even change their voices, you know. They can set you up. I, I read up, I heard about one that the guy went to meet up with this girl and meet online. He went to meet the girl and his friend telling him to be careful. And he's like, you're too old school, let me go. And he traveled to another city and the guy told him, okay, since you won't listen to me, don't stay with this woman. You think you don't know her. Go to a hotel, get a car, rent a car go with close enough where she live at and stake out the house from where you can see to watch and see who come in and out. While he sits there and watch, three guys with hoods, you know, like mask and hood, went in the house. They sh the lady set him up to be, I guess, to be killed. If he didn't listen to his friend, he wouldn't have made it out. You see, there's a lot of kidnapping and stuff going on right now. So you can't trust to go online either. It's very difficult to meet people, period. Yeah. Got people don't, people's not what them seems to be. Everybody just wear a mask yeah. and so, talk pretty. 
And, and that's why that, that's why we got to be, you know, as Christians, we got to be wise. I mean, you know, we got to be wise and we got to do these things and seek wisdom because wisdom does come from above. And and and, and some things, like like Major, when we was coming up, we said, man, most of us say, man, we got that sixth sense, you know. And then we say, well, what is sixth sense? Common sense. Some things just don't pass the common. Sense. You don't even need to be highly educated. This just don't make common sense to me. And if it don't make common sense to you, then don't try to make it make sense to you. So let me read on. Let me, let me read on. He says, now look. He says, so you tell them how to live and, and minding their own business. He said, live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your own hands because some of them must have gotten a little lazy, a little slowful when doing their full do say. Don't be dependent on everybody. Get out and if you can work, work. Just as we instructed you before. Then he said, now when you start living like these things that he identified, he said, then the people who are not Christian will respect the way you live. And you will not need to depend on others. See, the reason the world don't respect the church is because sometimes the church looks too much like them. So how can the world respect the way we live when they say, hey, you're doing the same thing I'm doing? You ain't doing no different. You just, the only difference is you go to church on Sunday and I don't. But aside from that, you take that out of the equation, we're doing pretty much the same thing. So we have to try to live in a way that people who don't come to church can at least say, man, I respect the way Brother Herb carries himself. I see how he treats his kids. I see how he treats his wife. I see what things he don't do when he's around everybody else. I respect the way he lives. And sometimes, believe it or not, people will respect you when you carry yourself like who you really are. If you really care, yeah, it may take them a while to stop doing certain things around you, but they'll figure it out. And once they figure it out, some of them can say, okay, I'm going to just give them the respect now, or they're going to cut you loose anyway. And when you get cut loose by some ungodly friend, you ought to celebrate that ain't a time to go in the morning and, and cry, oh, what am I going to do this weekend? My boy's gone. Well, no, man, I'm celebrating. I done got the rest without my life. They keeping me from living holy. Man, I'm trying to live holy, and they trying to get me back to what we were doing. And so what we got to see is that that's, that's time for us as Christians to believe that we can celebrate because trying to live like God wants us to live should not be something that we don't want to do. We ought to at least be trying. And Paul understood that this was a work in process, in, in progress here, but at the same time, growth is supposed to be natural. If you've been in church for so long, there ought to be some natural things changing in your relationship with the Lord, just like that's why the Bible compared our spiritual growth to growing in the natural. You was bathed, you was on milk, and sooner or later you get to solid food. And then once you start getting to the solid food, then you don't fall for the little things that used to trip you up when you was a baby. But if you're a 20-year-old baby and still on, meaning you've been in the church 20 years, and you're still on milk, then something is wrong with you. Something wrong. That would be like you taking your 12-year-old son to his checkup and the pediatrician say, why is this boy still got a bottle? He done shared the teeth. He got permanent teeth now. 
and he still, he walked around and sucking on the bottle. You better go get him checked out because something is not. I know, I know this. Special care, I ain't doing, I ain't going, I ain't stepped over the line ever. I'm, I'm okay, okay. I don't want to get into foul territory, but, uh, but, but okay. Let me just read, let me transition real quick now. Because now, he started talking real quick about what appears to be an issue that they had with the resurrection. And you wonder, how did he jump from that all the way to the resurrection? Because these people were really looking for Jesus to come back soon. And they was looking for him to come back soon. And by seeing all their relatives and friends dying, then they started saying, wait, why, why are we going through this? Why are we going through this thing, waiting on a resurrection, believing he's going to come back in a moment under the twinkling of the eye, the sky going to bust open, and then the dead going to rise, and then the rest of us going to be caught up? Man, we don't see too many folk die waiting on him to bust through the sky. I'm about ready to walk away from this because I'm tired. I lost all my relatives. And I'm just tired of this waiting. So he had to calm them down. And there's some Christians out there right now that can't handle this resurrection and Jesus' second coming. Because it don't make sense to our natural man. It don't. So what I need to tell you all, you just stay in the first 12 verses and live right there. And we'll keep believing for the resurrection for you. Because what I just read in the first 12 verses is very natural. You ain't got to be too spiritual and believe in the resurrection to live right. Amen. <laughs> But for those of you who got the hope and the faith to believe in this resurrection, then you got to believe in it even if you die in hope. Meaning that if you die before he come back, you got to die believing that there's going to be a resurrection. So look what he says here. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. Since y'all got an issue with it, do not grieve like people who have no hope. He didn't say don't grieve. We always grieve the loss of a loved one. But man, we got to grieve with the fact that we believe in that one day we're going to all meet up again. We got to believe that there's more to life than that is when someone is put in the grave or cremated all that. We got to believe that God has made us a promise and we got to hold on that promise even when our faith wants to wean. And when someone tells you, why are you still believing in that? These folk were believing that 2,000 years ago, and Jesus still ain't came back. So he's saying, now look, you can't grieve when you lose someone like, you know, people who don't have no hope. And sometimes, you know, when I was little, you'd go to funerals and stuff like that. You cry, and you do all that. But I don't see some folk just get too excessive sometimes, because they don't understand. And they don't fall to their own, they just don't understand. I mean, I've seen people try to crawl in the casket and all that. They, they just don't under. Somebody need to tell them, hey, it's all right to grieve. But look here, what you're grieving over is a shell of someone. Because the part that's important to God has departed the body. But when we don't know that, we cry, we mourn, we do that. But man, at some point in time, you got to come out of that at, with hope. Because if you don't have that type of hope, you're not going to pass this on to the next generation. And they're going to want to know, why should we go through all this when grandmama gone? Granddaddy gone. And you got to be able to tell them, hey, look, this is a promise that we got to believe, even if it's not making sense to us right now. 
Because some of these things he said here, nobody can wrap their mind around how all this is going to play out. And there have been theologians who done wrote all kind of books and stuff on what they think is going to happen, but don't nobody really know. There are certain things that we, we got a finite mind, and we are serving an infinite God. And so he has not revealed everything that we need to know to us. He done gave us enough of a glimpse of it, but there are some things we just ain't going to figure it all out. And when we get to that point trying to figure it all out, and then, you know, it was easy for me back in the day to believe the resurrection before folks started getting cremated. Because back in our culture, you'd be time, wasn't no such thing, no cremated. We ain't know nothing about it. We weren't, we weren't burning nobody. A lot of us still ain't going to get burned. I mean, but we weren't. But now it's popular. So when that started happening, I started to wonder myself, well, how are you going to put them ashes back together? And some folks have been spread all over the ocean. How, how that going to all come back together? My natural mind. But then I have to say, God, that ain't for me to figure out. I'm just going to believe you said that one day the dead going to rise. How you pull that off? Don't you. You didn't tell me to figure it out. You told me to believe it. And my hope is in that. Let me read this because they would have some problems. He said, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised from to life again, we also believe that Jesus, that when he returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So that means that the believers who have died is going to be coming or raised up when Christ comes back. In fact, the ones who have died is going to go first. He says, we tell you this directly from the Lord. In other words, I got this revelation of the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will meet him, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. So if you're still here on earth, major, when he comes back, you got to wait to all of us who may be gone go up. You got to wait to get in line. But the promise is that the dead is going to go first. Then this is where we get the term that's not in the Bible, but people took the Greek term here, rapture. To be taken away. But that term, the word rapture is nowhere in the, in the Bible. But that has been added and people that wrote books about it, that wrote movies about it, Left Behind, the whole Left Behind series about the rapture. And so something is going to happen. God in his awesome power is going to do something. And how he pulled that off is not clear to any one theologian, any one person. This is where we have to walk by faith and not by... This is where we got to believe some things that we can't truly grasp with our natural mind because if we could grasp with our natural mind, we wouldn't need faith for it. He says, for the Lord himself will come from heaven with the commandment shout with the voice of the archangel. Now, there are a couple of places in the Bible you see an angel Michael and Gabriel, but that's the only two that I could find that, and there may be others identified, but just those two. So the archangel is at the top guy. And with the trump, a trumpet call of God, first, the Christians who have died will, ri will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Somewhere between the heaven of heaven and the earth, that atmospheric area there, he's saying we're going to be caught up. What caught up look like, I ain't got a clue. But I, in my mind, I know enough to know that 
he's not coming back for this body here. Because this body is decaying. It's, it's going to go back to the dust that it came. So he talks about a glorified body in some other place and what that glorified body looked like, whether it was spirit or whatever, I don't know. I tell you, I don't know. I ain't trying to figure it out. I just don't want to get left behind. Amen. And so when he do it and how he do it, I mean, I'm not going to argue with people because there are people out there who argue about this and try to figure it out to an exact time, and you're just going to be arguing to be arguing. So, so if you, if you, if People can't believe in the resurrection. How can they wrap their mind around death itself? The fact that when you're gone, you're gone. See, now, now you fear dying. Yeah. Because you just want to stay here forever, and that's not going to happen. Saved or unsaved, that's right. It ain't going to happen unless you're just living when he comes back. Because it's appointed to die every man one time. Then the resurrection. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. One of my coworkers asked me if baptizing is, is, is a must. Like, you know, baptized under water or whatever is a must. My answer to her is, was, if Jesus didn't sin and he had to baptize to show us to follow him that way, then we should do it, and I think it is important. Amen. And, and, and again, uh, real quick, and I, let me read this last piece, and I'll answer that. So encourage each other with these words, telling those people who are concerned about what's going to happen after they die, encourage them with the word that God is going to come back for you. If you're still here, you're going to go after the other people. Encourage them with that. Give them hope to believe that. There are some people that teach that, hey, you, you're not truly saved unless you've been water baptized. And so, therefore, that's why in certain faith, the minute you give your life to Christ, they baptize you right down the spot before you leave the church. But they believe that, hey, if you walk out the door and we don't seal the deal, and, and, and you, God forbid, you know, you get called up, you ain't really sealed the deal, so you ain't really saved. And, and, and I, don't, I don't ascribe to that because obviously we don't do it like that here. So I don't ascribe that. But, but I do believe that baptism is an ordinance, and I think it's more important to, to, to focus on the baptism of the heart of the person more so than the physical aspect of it, even though that is something we want to do. We, we order that as an ordinance of the church. But I always go back to the thief on the cross, man. He, he just didn't have time. He didn't have time. He, he got in the paradise, wherever that is. He got in by just believing. Right. So, but that's an argument out there on both sides of that. That's what I was going to say, the thief on the cross. Yeah. I think the baptism is just the outward symbol, but it's supposed to represent that inward change of your heart. You got some people that get baptized and haven't changed at all. And so I was going to say the same thing with the thief on the cross. Also, they talk about the change. What if when they die, if they keep going to recognize the people them that, that died before them, their loved one, because them, them are heard that people are going to be changed their you know, body-wise. So they are, one of them basically upset because she's saying that she want to make sure she can recognize her brother or her grandmother or whoever. Yeah. But and I told her, I said, I prefer a, a body that not going to look broke down and pain up. And Amen. 
you know. Amen. Amen. And I know we've been taught and sung songs about all that, but I think that's come some conjecture in there that not necessarily the way God's going to play it out. And that's what, again, I, we don't have time to go in that tonight, but that may be a, a good thing we can talk about. Amen. Amen. Okay, it, it is 7.30, so I done went over time. Got a couple of announcements before I let you go. Just give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. Now, thank you for tonight. Amen.